This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. This is the next message in our series on the book of John, entitled, Jesus is God. Amen. No true words could be said that there is nothing that compares to knowing Jesus. And I pray that you know that tonight. I've known many people that have went looking for something in comparison to Jesus. And I know many people that have said that they know something greater than Jesus. But I've never known anybody to come back and tell me that they have found anything that comes close to our Savior. And there's nothing. And that's wonderful. And as believers tonight, and as I see by your testimony coming here, the study of the Word of God, you say that you desire to know our Heavenly Father in a greater way. And he lays out for us in the Bible and tells us how we can go about that. In John 14, as we've been looking at, and now we're going to move on to 15. We had several sermons in John chapter number 14. We could never say enough. We could be there for a lifetime and still be learning wonderful truths. But he tells us that you have known me, but as I go to the Father, you're going to still continue to know more about me by watching the Holy Spirit work in and through your lives. And then today we have the opportunity to know our Heavenly Father in a greater and growing way through His wonderful Word and spending time um, in it. And so as we started out earlier today, I wanted you to read some verses, and I'm going to read more verses today. I'm probably going to read more verses tonight in this sermon than I used in all of my preaching as a teenager. And that's a problem, Brother Gibby. All right, so we're going to look at so many verses because his words are so perfect and they're so wonderful. And as Jesus speaks, God speaks. And so as I begin to write the outline and look at it, and I begin to look at his words, Pastor Frick, I just took... More and more of my words off the outline. And I put more and more of his words on there. Because nothing I can say to you tonight comes in comparison to what God says. And that's so important because you and I, we want to bear fruit. We want to bear much fruit is what John chapter number 15 says that we're able to do. Because he does that through our lives. And he says he is glorified. If you can say anything and he'll be glorified in, I want to do that. And if he says by bearing fruit, you will be glorified. I as a believer and you as a believer say, I want to know how to do that. And he tells us in John chapter number 14 how we can bear fruit. And the only way that we're going to bear fruit And as believers, we want to um, obey and to follow in what he's doing. So you could follow with me. I gave them the verses and you won't have time to keep up with them unless you are the Bible drill champion of your district. You probably won't be able to keep up with me, but you're going to be able to follow me on the screen. And after read several scripture references here in several verses, and then I'll get to John chapter number 15 and read that for us tonight. I'll start in Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, it's in the law of the Lord, and he doth meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the, in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another, 
And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you, leave me, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide you with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he, it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, and you shall live also, and that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. This book of my law shall not depart of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower therefore falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. And be not conformed to this world, for ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him and the same bringeth forth much fruit. For within me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burned. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderfully inspired and preserved word tonight. Lord, we know that it is the only thing that can work in our lives to bear fruit. That if our source, Lord, of anything, of any kind of energy or any kind of resource or any kind of peace or anything outside of the true vine, Lord, we have fallen after a counterfeit, Lord, and we will not bear the fruit that you have told us that we should bear. Lord, I speak on behalf of my brothers and sisters in here tonight, Lord, and we say that we desire to glorify you with our lives, and we desire to bear fruit and much fruit for your honor and your glory. And I ask tonight, Lord, for an even greater love for your word, and that tonight as we leave here, we will see that our love for the word is indicative of our love for you, And that if we desire to bear fruit, Lord, we must spend time with you in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
So as we look at scripture tonight, I want to talk to you first of all about reasons that you should spend time in the word of God. And I know that you've been taught many and you know many, but I want us to look at all first of all in John chapter number 15 and the fact that it's in spending time in the word is how the Holy Spirit works in and through our lives the bear fruit. Ask you once again, why do we want to bear fruit? Is it because we look better as bearing fruit? Is it because trees look odd if they don't bear fruit? We want to bear fruit. Know this with me tonight. We want to bear fruit because bearing fruit brings honor and glory to God. Everything we do, we do because it wants to bring honor and glory to God. And when he says, in doing this, you bring glory to me, we want to be part of doing that. So we're going to look tonight primarily at John chapter number 14 and the bearing of fruit. Joshua 1, 8, I've already read in Psalm chapter number 1, we're told that we're supposed to meditate day and night. And can I tell you that you cannot meditate day and night upon something that's not hid in your heart. You don't have to know it verbatim always, but those verses that come to your mind as you deal with things, they have to be in there. They have to have a place in you. And if you want to fulfill this command to meditate on his word day and night, it has to be hidden in your heart. Number three, so as not to be conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Day in and day out, information is being pumped into your mind and it's affecting your heart and it's trying to conform you into the image of this world. And it's only the word of God that is the voice of God for us today. And it's in reading this that our minds are transformed as they should be to know him and to love him and to have victory in this world. It guards our mind and it helps us more quickly detect error. We live in a day where people that are supposed to be telling truth are telling error and they're preaching false. And wherever you go, people in authority are telling you things that may not be true. But it's by living with the word daily that you're able to think biblically and to navigate this world. It allows us to hit the devil in the face when he assaults me and my family. Why in the world would you walk through this world without a sword? Satan is a roaring lion. He desires to take you and he takes your family. And you should not leave outside of your home without your American Express, as they say. And you shouldn't go home anywhere without it. You shouldn't go anywhere without the Word of God. It is needful for the day that we live in. You need to have it there for you, prepared. As you're dealing with temptation, you ought to be answering it. If God in flesh as Jesus thought that he should answer Satan... With the word of God, temptation, then Trent Cornwell needs to not say any word to Satan outside of the word because I am an unformidable foe. I cannot do anything against him. He has power over this world and it's only because the spirit of God lives inside of me that I'm able to overcome the evil one. It allows the strongest and sweetest words when ministering to someone in need. I know you've been there and I know you want to be there. When people are in need and they're hurting, they don't want to hear from you. You think they want to hear from you. They think they want to hear from you, but they don't need to hear from you. They need to hear from our Heavenly Father. And it's those verses that are hidden in your heart, in your mind, that when they come out of you to them can make an impact and can make a difference. And it provides me an opportunity to talk to Jesus Throughout today. Because as I walk through my day and scripture memory comes to me. And as I see something that reminds me of scripture. And I think about the scripture and it goes through my mind. Then I'm able to hear from him through his word. And then I'm able to talk to him in prayer. 
And so by hiding this word in your heart and studying it and meditating upon it, you're able to have an ongoing conversation with him throughout your day. Can you think of anything more lovely? Can you think of anything more wonderful than spending your day walking around speaking to the God of the universe? And only through the word of God do we hear from him today. So as we look here, we are the biting vine. He says, I am the true vine and my father is a husbandman. We know that he is speaking to the disciples here. They would have some understanding of this imagery. They've been with Jesus. They've heard him speak in parables. They've heard throughout the Old Testament an understanding of the vine. And when he said, I am the true vine, he is saying that all other vines in this world represent me. As we said on Thursday night as we were looking at the church, that when he created Adam and Eve and their relationship, he knew his relationship to the church. And Adam and Eve was made to model the, what his relationship with like the church would look like. He does not react to creation, but creation is made in his image so that when you see a vine, it is made as a reflection of the true vine. And so you ought to look at it. You ought to study it. People like Jonathan Edwards would write entire books. They'd spend entire days looking at insects and they would uh, looking at uh, plants. And they would look at that. And when you look at a vine, when your brother Gibby, when you're fighting back the kudzu, kill that stuff, okay? But as you kill that kudzu, take a moment and look at the vine and say, there's something I learned in this vine about my heavenly father. And if it was for the word of God, we wouldn't know that. But the word of God tells us. And so we ought to look at it. He is the true vine. Which means if anything else in this world is not sufficient source for fruit bearing, they may help you work on the trellis, but never on the fruit. Wonderful book called The Trellis and the Vine. And so many times in my life, I have spent time working on the trellis of my life, the part that makes me look better, the part that can look painted. But I don't work on the vine. I don't, I don't work on the, the fruit. I am not the vine, but I am a branch that can bear fruit. But it's so many things in this world are telling you how to do this. If I go to a Christian bookstore, you go to a Christian bookstore, many of the books aren't going to talk to you how you work in your relationship and grow in the word. They're going to tell you how to resemble a good Christian in this day. They're going to tell you many of these things. But that's trellis work. We want to be people that are bearing fruit. You don't get it any other place. Selfish ambition will not allow you to produce fruit in the ministry. Hard work alone will not allow you to produce this. Working on anything in the flesh will not allow you to bear fruit. The fruit belongs to him because he is the vine and he is the husbandman and there's no way to recreate it. There's no way to go into a lab and recreate it and there's no way to go around him and try to create it. And so many ministries, which means so many individuals today, have tried to create something that appears to be fruit outside of the vine. But he says, I am the true vine. Then he tells us who the husbandman is. The father is a husband. In this story here that we're being given, this speaks in reference to him towards us. By no way does this imply that Jesus is inferior to God because God being the husband and him being the vine. But in the story, you need to see, well, does your relationship as a, as a disciple, how do you abide in Jesus and how does that bear fruit in your lives? Our father desires that we bear fruit. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges. That is, may bring forth much more fruit. What is his plan in my life? Is that he wants to bear fruit in and through me. He knows what is best for us. Psalms 1, 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
He knows the way of the godly. He knows my way as he knew that we needed rain in Alpharetta, Georgia the night. He knows exactly what I need. And the days that I don't want rain, he knows that I need it. On the days that I'm hoping that it will be sunny, he says, you need some more rain. And the days that I think it should rain, he may decide it's sunny because he knows what I need. He knows what I need to bear fruit because our heavenly father is the husbandman. He's not just the weatherman that tells the weather. He makes the weather go on in our lives. And he helps us and guides us through the Holy Spirit and the bearing of the fruit. He knows that we must be furred from our lives so we can bear much fruit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That he leads us in the ways of peace. He guides us and he points out. The Holy Spirit as the comforter in the time of need and as the person that convicts you in the time of temptation and the time of sin. As he's there with you, my illustration this morning, talking about the man that was running and his, um, his son beside him, comforting him and encouraging him, saying, I have you going. But the Holy Spirit is also walking with you and he says, Trent. That is not where I want you to go. Trent, that is not what I want you to look at. Trent, this is not what you should be thinking of right now. Trent, do not say that. Trent, apologize to that person. Trent, remember your wife's birthday. I don't know about that one, okay? But all those things that are going on, the Holy Spirit's guiding. And sometimes it's the Father, we walk into His hands, and sometimes He's pointing at sin, and He loves us, and He says, I need to prune this. I need to take this out of your life. I know that you like this. I need to take this away. Because this is keeping you in fruit bearing, and I want you to bear fruit. Because you're a tree, I've created, I'm watering, I'm watching you, and you want to bear fruit to the honor and glory of God, and I want you to bear fruit, and he knows what needs to be taken away. And James, as we're told, it's the putting on and taking off that he knows that we need, and that we should receive the word with meekness, which is able to change, which will engraft that into us. And so he knows what we need in our lives. He can identify what needs to be purged and he needs to be cast. And he also can identify what needs to be cast into the fire. I'll just touch on this because John 15, so much can be talked about. The primary teaching here, Jesus speaking to the disciples about fruit bearing. But if you notice when we read, it said that the husbandman was God, the heavenly father. And you did not see my name in scripture or in any scripture. And I am not the husbandman. And when he says he knows what needs to be purged and taken away and cast into the fire, many respectable men, wiser than me, have differing opinions on what's happening here. We'll continue in John chapter number 15, but we move forward. Is he knows what's in our lives, that's wood, hay, and stubble, and one day that will be taken away because it's something that we've been working in in the flesh and it's taken away? Very likely. Is it a person like Judas that looks like he's part of the vine, but he's really not in that? The Judas branch is taken away? That could be possible as well. But can I tell you, that is not me and that is not you. We are fruit bearers because of the word. And this is who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to his disciples. We bear fruit because we abide in the vine. He has made us clean by his word. As in the washing of the feet that was made, remember Peter said, if you're going to wash my feet, you might as well wash everything because I need to be clean. And he says, no, you don't need that. You've been made clean. And he's illustrating here the sanctification. He reminds us of the power of the word in our lives. Remember, how can you hear unless there's a preacher? How can you hear there be a preacher unless he's sent? And how can the preacher know what to tell you unless we have the word of God? 
And that even as a child from that, a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It is the word of God, parents in here, that will make your children one day wise unto the point of salvation, where they will see from this word that they are sinners in need of a loving Savior. You know, I was so thankful the other day we were reading our storybook and we were going through stories of the Bible and we got to Joseph and we read the story of the Joseph, uh, the Thatcher and Tinsley. Oh, Thatcher and Tinsley always gets people looking this way, okay? So Thatcher and Tinsley, and I read it to them, and Thatcher spoils all the stories for Tinsley. She has no idea what's going to happen. I could read it to her and she still wouldn't know what would happen if I read it to her again. But Thatcher knows what's going to happen and he looks at her and he tells her, so this is what's going to happen to Joseph. And he spoils the, the story for him. But I tell the story and he says, Dad, they forgot to put him in the pit. He's supposed to go in the hole. I think he caught it Oh, Joseph is supposed to go in the hole because in the storybook they didn't put Joseph in a hole. And my son burned the book. He just couldn't have it, okay? And he said that they forgot that. Why did that happen? It's because a church has decided that it's important to teach our kids the word of God and that somebody sat down with him in a nursery and told him the story of Joseph and he went to children's church. Even when he wasn't supposed to, he snuck up there and he went to children's church and they taught that. And as he grows, he will fall in love with the person of this book and he'll know that he is God and that God came to earth and he will love this book because he will learn to love God. And I am so thankful for that. And so he will be made wise unto salvation as we study the word and it convicts us in and it shows us. And we must spend time in the word and we must spend time with our children in the word of God. At the Come and See 5K yesterday, did I mention that I ran in a 5K? Yesterday, I wasn't sure if I mentioned that um, earlier. I got in my notes to mention it one more time tonight. But at the end of it, you know, you can work at running hard, but the real talent is to get your name drawn from the door prize. Because you can't work on that. You're good at it or you're not. And I won the door prize, and you can't practice that kind of stuff. And so I got a baseball signed by Jack Leggett. Really? Nothing? Okay. Jack Leggett, he is the head coach of the Clemson baseball team. And they signed a football and a basketball. And I got the baseball. And um, I liked it so much that I brought it tonight. And I've misplaced it before I even came up here to show you this baseball. But you know this baseball, Mr. Leggett, I don't imagine you're listening to this because I haven't watched any of your games. But if you do see this, I don't know you. Okay. And since I don't know you and I'm not a fan of Clemson baseball, I like... Clemson because of my friends over here, but I'm not a fan of Clemson baseball. That baseball has little to no value in my life. I'm going to play baseball with that baseball. Or I'll take it up to Children's Church and make like it's a big deal and I'll give it to one of you, okay? But I'm going to play baseball with this because it doesn't have value. So the writing on it that he did means nothing to it. The baseball has a $2 value because Jack Leggett has a $2 value in my life. It means nothing to me because I do not know him, so I do not love his word. And so I know a man named Jesus, and I love his word, and I know my God, and I love his word. So these words have incredible value in my life because I know the Heavenly Father that inspired these words, and I want to know them. And that is our hindrance as we read this. It's not a discipline issue. It's a knowing who wrote these words issue and wanting to spend time with him. And so that baseball, which was lost tonight, because I value. But if it was a 1998 Mark McGuire 70th home run baseball worth $3.1 million, I would have it in my pocket and we would be in a bigger building tonight. Okay? 
But the value of the baseball comes from who signed it, and the value to me has to do what I think about that person. And I want my son, and I want your children and daughters, and I want you to love this word because you love and know him. So the natural conclusion as we're talking to him, Jesus is the vine. God is the husband. We are branches that we are bearing fruit and we desire to bear more fruit. So the next logical question is, what is fruit? And I'm so thankful that that is answered from the word of God tonight for us. Galatians 5, 19 verses 20 through 21. It tells us what are the works of flesh. Before I look at what the fruit of the spirit is, let's look at what the works of the flesh are. Paul is taught as inspired by God here. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions and heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, rivaling and such like those there are obviously not the fruit of the spirit. Those things in your lives are not the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. So what is it when the Holy Spirit works in and through you? What is the evidence? What is the fruit of the Spirit? That's next verses here, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. It is not given my job tonight to be a fruit inspector. As you see these things, I do not know on these levels in your life what's going on. But these things are evident in the life of a believer that they bear fruit and they will grow in us through as we spend word, time in his word. My words abide in you. In verses 7 and 8, John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You know that abiding is more than just simply memorizing. Satan knew scripture. The abiding is is seen here as in believing. The Jewish people were taught in their day in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We won't look at it tonight, but you could see this. I could take you within a mile of here. You could go to the home of a Jewish person and you would see in the doorpost that they have the scripture. They have this scripture, Deuteronomy 4 here, in a little scroll. And it's there in a box and it's there because they were told that they're supposed to put it in front of their children at all times. It's supposed to be there upon their, their doorpost and upon... You'll see it in a picture. There'll be a box upon the head and upon their arms. And they carry this portion of Scripture because they've taken that keeping the Word of God in front of them. They took it literally and they took that Scripture that says keep the Word of God in front of them. And they put it on the doorpost and they put it in front of them. But that is not abiding Word inside of you. Memorizing is not abiding. Believing is abiding. Jesus knew Scripture, but it did. The Jews knew Scripture. But it did not abide in them. John 5:38. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom hath he sent him? Ye believe not. Jewish people, many of them may have memorized all the way Genesis, the Deuteronomy, the Pharisees. That would have been common among those people. It wasn't that they didn't know Bible. It wasn't that they couldn't memorize Bible. But it didn't abide in them because they were not believers of the Bible. And he says, this does not abide in you. The words of Jesus take root and they bear fruit in obedience. Be, do, serve, train. We had on the wall once here till um, it's not here any longer. 
right, Mr. Robert? It's not there any longer. But it was there on the wall, and through John, we may come back to it someday. But in the B level of our lives, Ezra, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it. In Israel, the statutes and judgment, as the word is in our heart, it will grow and we live out. We're abiding, we're believing. Because it's abiding, we're believing, then we're obeying upon it. The word is at home in our hearts. If you are allowing the word to abide in your heart, it has a home there. John eight thirty seven. He says, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. He's telling the Jewish people here, he says, my word has no place in your heart. That as it's taught and as it's preached and as I'm speaking to you, you don't allow any place for it in your heart. Oh, Christy, can I ask you today, is there any place for the word in your heart as it's preached and as it's taught to you? Does it take root? Does it take home in your heart? Do you have a place for it? Does it come in one side and does it go out another? Or when does it come? Does it sit there and you meditate and you dwell upon it and you live it out in your life? It has no place in their heart. And does it have a place in your heart? Can I remind you very quickly of the history of the Word of God in your life as a believer? If you're a believer in here, let me remind you of the history of this Word in your life. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It was through this book... My, my, the Holy Spirit used my sister in showing me this book as a nine-year-old boy. She showed me the Bible. And in that, I was able to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And that the Word of God, the incorruptible Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, it showed me my need of a Savior. And that's my history. I love this book because of its history in my life. Sanctification, God's work for the Holy Spirit through the Word. We've said, John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth, thy Word is truth that the word of God is being used to sanctify me and the work in your life as well truth changes when it abides in us sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth why does this happen and why does this have the effect why as a believer does reading these words why does the Holy Spirit choose to use the word of God in my life let's look at a couple things in John six sixty three. First of all, John 3.34, it says, For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Whom God sent, Jesus, he speaks the word of God. When Jesus spoke, it was the word of God. Every time Jesus opened his mouth, God spoke. The words are given our life. John 6.63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And just because it's bound like any other book you can read, it is not a dead book. But these are living words that bring life. And it, over, it conquers the devil, our supernatural enemy. The whole world lies in power of the evil one, and the world is absolutely defenseless against him. He rules in this world except where God restrains, and you have no idea of the mercy being given on your behalf. That the Satan is the prince of this world, and he has power, and it's the word of God that allows us to overcome the evil one in John two fourteen. Now, the next question is, we know that when Jesus spoke, it's God's word. And so powerful. Why is it powerful? Because it's life. Why is it powerful? Because it's God's word. And so the question is, why is this printed word that I hold in my hand so powerful to you and I today? In God's written word, the Bible is eternally true. First Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. 
So these are the eternal wisdom of God. That this book is not filled by truth of any man. That this book is filled with the wisdom of God for us. How does it bear fruit? How could it not bear fruit? How could God's word abiding and taking place in your home? And when it comes in, you say, please have a seat here. I want to spend time with you. Sit down, Bible. I want to spend time with you. I wanted to sit there. I want to read it. and I want to meditate it on throughout the day. How could the word of God, the living God, the eternal God, who spoke the world into existence with his word, not bear fruit in your life? We don't ask, how does it happen? We ask, how could it not happen in our lives that it would cause us to bear fruit? Second Peter 1 Verses 20 and 21 in reference to the inspiration of the men who wrote the, wrote the Bible. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men. It's not man's idea that this book is filled with. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit moved upon these men and they wrote down the words of God for us today. And it's those words in my heart that bears fruit for the glory of God. And just simply carrying it with you will not bear fruit, but it must be hidden in your heart. And so can I challenge you tonight? The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bear fruit in your life for the glory of God. Love this Word. Love this word because you love God and you want him to be glorified. Love this word because you want to bear fruit. Love this word because you know that outside of the true vine you can bear no fruit. Love this word because if you appear to be bearing fruit and you're trying to bear fruit and it's not coming from the word abiding in your heart, then you're not bearing fruit and that it will not last and is not eternal and it is not true. Now, I give you an opportunity tonight as I begin to close, but my invitation for you will not be found here at the altar. I'll give you an opportunity to respond, but your invitation is according to the Word of God. As I held up baseball in my hand, if I met Mr. Jack Leggett, if I went to a Clemson game, if I make the team, I'm going to try out next fall for it. Um, if no, if any of those things happen, that baseball that I've lost... I'm sure one of your kids took it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, well, that baseball that I lost, it could grow in value to me as the team and as the coach grows in value to me. As the Word of God, you say you love the Father and you do as a believer, it says. So we should love the Word because we want to honor Him and we want to bear fruit in our lives. And so can I ask you, if it's either in your seat or if it's here at the altar, or if it's at your home, between you and God, would you make a renewed decision when it comes to this Word of God? Can you say, Father, I want to bear fruit for your honor and your glory, and I want this Word to abide in my heart so I can bear fruit for your glory? And could you look at it differently? As you hold it in your hand, could it feel differently the night than it felt when you came in? Could it feel differently than it would if it was left at home? Could you hold it there when you get it and you find it? Would you look at it and pray to our Heavenly Father and make a renewed decision that you want to spend time in it so that it will be in you so that you can bear fruit to the honor and glory of our God? Heavenly Father, I ask that you'll be with us tonight, Lord, as we hold the wonderful word upon in our laps and up in our hands tonight. And as we've read so many scriptures, that these scriptures will take root and they will find place in the hearts of believers. And they will help bear fruit in our lives, Lord, because we desire to bear fruit and more fruit for your honor and for your glory. And we know that this is only done by spending time with you and in your word. Help us, Lord, make disciples as disciples, Lord who love your word and love what it tells us and want to spend time 
with you. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.